Thank you for joining us for another episode of Virginia Tech First Generation Unscripted, the podcast. I am Alex Parrish. I am Dr. Charmaine Troy, Program Director for First Generation Student Support, and we have two wonderful guests here today from Study Abroad. I'm Shelby Koenix. I'm the Global Education Advisor for the Global Education Office. And I'm Ramon Coffin. I'm the Assistant Director for Communications and Marketing in the Global Education Office. All right. Well, we are very excited to have Romalyn and Shelby with us today. This, uh, this will become our most exotic episode ever recorded because Shelby and Romalyn are going to walk us through the many, many locations on planet Earth that you can go in the name of studying abroad and, and do your studies. So Romalyn and Shelby, um, why don't you guys just tell us a little bit about what study abroad is about and, um, and what students most enjoy about your office? Sounds great. Our office is always excited to support students who are wanting to explore, wanting to do something new and different. That's kind of the name of the game for us. So we support over 1,600 Hokies annually going abroad. Obviously, right now, those numbers are a little bit different with COVID and the pandemic, and we can talk more about that later. But that's the, the big picture, what we normally have going on. And we support sending students to every continent, including Antarctica. We have a, a program in Antarctica, and uh, that looks like a few different program type options and a few different ways and lengths of time that students can go abroad from two weeks during winter break or a summer break to, um, or even shorter, a week long over spring break to a full semester or even a full academic year abroad. And uh, we send students each semester, each term. So it's, it's pretty flexible and open-ended. Whatever students are looking for, we want to help support them. Romelin, anything you'd add there? I would also just say, yeah, we, we obviously do a bulk of work in, in sending students abroad, um, but we also receive students from overseas as well. And so we have um, international exchange students that, that come um, every semester, and, and they're usually here anywhere between a semester or summer here for a whole academic year. And so that's a great experience as well, and that you um, at Virginia Tech really do get to interact with students from all over the world. And so um, our office is, is, again, here to support studying abroad, but also global learning in general. Um, and again, whether that means you're physically abroad or um, you have courses here in Blacksburg or other campuses that, that really does um, engage you in, in global learning and perspective. Well, that sounds really exciting. Um, so I gotta ask you guys, like when, when a student walks into your office, like here I am walking into your door, do they typically walk in and say, hi, Romlin, I wanna go to France, can you help me? Or do they walk in like, looking for the options? Like how, how would you start that conversation? Um, it, it honestly depends. Um, again, I, I do think that there are students out there that know pretty, pretty straight, you know, pretty early in the process that this is where I want to go. I'm majoring in a certain language or um, I'm a student that wants to reconnect with my roots. Um, and so these are the locations that I really want to go to. Or, you know, I had a sibling a couple years ago that went on this study abroad program and I want to do the same thing. Um, so again, you, you have ones that are very intentional about the programs that they want to go on. Um, other students just want to go abroad and have that experience. And so they're really looking more for, tell me what my options are. Um, and, and Shelby can go a bit more into this, but um, there are 
tons of options out there. Um, they're, they're, it's not really a, a one, you know, one size fits all type of thing for a student. Um, and in some ways it can get also pretty overwhelming because there are so many options. And again, Shelby can talk a bit more because she's more on the front lines of, you know, the students actually walking in and, and kind of starting from scratch. Definitely. Yeah, I can share a little bit more on that. So we have four main program types for study abroad at Virginia Tech. The first are our semester exchange options. So we partner with universities all over the world where students can pay Virginia Tech tuition and fees, just like you would normally pay for your semester at Tech, but study abroad at that university. So it's a great deal, especially for our in-state students. So that's an option to live like a local student at that university, really immerse yourself in a culture, in a language maybe, get to take courses that are you know, in your, in your major, but maybe some electives as well that you want to explore, just like you're taking a full semester course load at that university. So it's a really unique experience, gives you a chance to really be somewhere for a few months during that semester. We also have Virginia Tech faculty-led programs. These tend to be more short-term, but we do have a few semester long as well. And these are mostly tailored towards a specific major or a specific course at Virginia Tech you want credit for. So you're going to be with other Hokies, with a faculty member, traveling abroad for your course. So on paper, you get a VT course, you know exactly what credit you're getting headed into the program. And these are often the ones that are shorter term, like I mentioned. So they might be uh, as a spring break program where you're taking a class for the spring and you travel as a group during that spring break period of time. Um, it also could be during the summer for a couple weeks, a month, over a month. Um, and then we do have some longer term faculty-led programs at our Steger Center in Riva San Vitale, Switzerland. So you get to actually go live on our Virginia Tech campus abroad in Switzerland, which is a really unique opportunity. And a lot of students really enjoy that experience. Uh, and the two other program types are a little bit more independent. You go outside of Virginia Tech and you find a program either through a third-party study abroad provider, so a company or organization that plans study abroad programs, or you go um, what we call autonomous study. You go directly to a university and you ask them about study abroad options. So there's kind of a, a whole menu of options basically that are um, anywhere from you're with all Virginia Tech students speaking English with your faculty member that you've gotten to know ahead of time to you're getting on a plane and you're going there for a whole semester. You're the only Hokie at that university and you're really gonna dive deep getting to know the local culture. So there's kind of any anywhere in between and we support students with, with all of those options. So Shelby, it seems like to me, like if I were gonna go to another country, um, it seems like the most obvious thing that might stand in my way, well, I guess there's two, like money and language, right? So. Are, do you have to be able to speak, you know, something the, the language of that country fluently, or are there options uh, for students who only speak English that they that there are opportunities there to help them out? Yeah, that's a great question. So, there's definitely options to go to many countries where English is not the national language, even if you don't speak that language. So, one of those options, like I said, are our faculty-led programs. So, you'd be traveling in that country, living and staying in that country, but you're with other Hokies and your professor is teaching the course in English. So, you're getting academic credit um, for whatever that, that course might be, but it's all in English, just like your other Virginia Tech courses. Um, you might be learning a little bit of the language as part of that experience, but you don't have to know the language necessarily ahead of time. Um, for going somewhere for a whole semester, we usually would wanna sit down and talk a little bit more because some universities do require that you have some proficiency in the language that you 
are maybe taking some courses ahead of time to get to maybe a 3000 level in that language. Um, but there are lots of our university partners in English speaking countries too. So we have universities you could go to in the United Kingdom, universities um, in some countries in Southern Africa and in Australia and New Zealand where English is spoken at the university level as a language of instruction. Yelby, what would uh, programs like Fulbright fall under? So for a program like Fulbright, we would help students prepare their application. We have someone in our office who works with Fulbright applicants. Those students would also work with the uh, Honors College. And so we would help the students figure out a little bit of what their path through that application process would look like. But we support students who are looking for opportunities for funding to go abroad like Fulbright or like the Gilman Scholarship, um, the Borman, Boren Scholarship, the Critical Language Scholarship. There's several federal scholarships that provide funding for students to go abroad. And so our office supports students going through those application processes. So if a student's interested in going abroad that uh, that program has been paid for or that they wanna spend a year abroad on something like the Fulbright Teaching English, they should definitely come talk to our office well in advance and, and see if they're eligible for those applications and kind of what that timeline might look like. So the part two of my, if I were a student going on a study abroad was money. Um, like anytime you hear go to another country, you know, you got to fly there, you got to live there. So uh, are there financial aid options or uh, like, do you work when you go overseas or like, how does that work for money? I think you're hitting a lot of the, the common questions that, you know, so you, you definitely are in the mind frame of, of what students come in with, Alex. Um, and the financial one is a big one, obviously. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, again, we, we definitely encourage you to come in and, and talk with us um, about, you know, what are your options there. We also encourage you to talk with your um, the financial aid and scholarships office pretty early on in the process as well. Um, in short, yes, financial aid can um, most likely be applied to your study abroad experience. Um, again, it, it's all in the planning of it, right? There's there's a form, there's a process that you have to fill out in, in order to have financial aid applied to your study abroad. Um, and then again, the, the various scholarships are gonna have deadlines ahead of time as well. And so we can help navigate, navigate all of those things. Um, perhaps a student, another question that we often get is, you know, a student is currently receiving some sort of scholarship. Um, can that be applied to a study abroad program? Um, the answer to that is it depends. Um, it depends on the specifics of that scholarship. Um, and, and again, that's where the financial aid and, and scholarships office really comes into play um, because we don't necessarily have access to that information, um, but someone there would. How far in advance would you advise a student, <laughs> um, especially our first generation students um, to um, prepare their applications for these types of scholarships? I would advise any students looking into applying for a scholarship to reach out to our office at least a full semester before the deadline. So for example, we have a deadline of February 6th for students who apply for our fall scholarships in the global education office. So Ramalan mentioned, right, you can apply, you, you might be able to apply your university scholarship to your study abroad, but we also offer global education office scholarships. So these go outside of that office and you would apply through Scholarship Central for those with our office. So let's say for example, February 6th, I'd say a student should really be reaching out maybe September, October, the semester before, if they want help 
getting some advice on what makes a strong application, as well as getting any guidance on how to choose their program while they're also applying for those scholarships. You can apply for a scholarship with our office without necessarily having it, the, all the final details yet, even on your program, which is great. So you might be still waiting for an official acceptance from a study abroad program, but you could still apply for our office's scholarship. And this is for, for programs where they're the faculty-led option or the exchange option. So a student is paying their tuition and fees to Virginia Tech for that program. Um, so students should just reach out to us about a semester before, but also if you're finding out about it last minute, it's okay to send us an email and ask for some support and assistance, even if it's the week before we want to, we want to be a support to students applying. Do students get jobs uh, when they go overseas? Like, especially if they're there for a semester, it seems like that might be necessary. Um, you know, I don't think it's as common as, as people would think it, it could be. And again, that there's some some issues that, that come into play there in terms of like work visas and and whether um, it, it's possible for them to, to find um, the time, frankly, to, to juggle, you know, being in a new environment um, and in a new culture, really, to, to find a, a job and actually, you know, be involved in, in all the things that you should be involved in during the study abroad experience, like actually um, getting to experience um, the locality that you're in and, and the people. Um, so it, we don't hear about it often. Um, there are some internship opportunities again, and again, I think it gets complicated with the work, the work visa situation. Um, but um, I don't know, Shelley, if you've, you've heard many students come, come into the office with that. Yeah, especially with the visa situation, I would think mm -hmm. like that's going to take some major planning ahead to get cleared for a work visa. Right. And then again, if most of our, you know, majority of students are going on these short term programs anyway, like again, the, sometimes the, the timing just doesn't work out for it. So I have to ask because the world is our oyster, literally, in this podcast. So uh, what is the most most popular place? Like, where do people most often want to go when they come to see you guys? Or is the pl there a place where they most often want to go? I mean, for Virginia Tech students, Switzerland is, is a big one. Um, and again, Shelby mentioned it earlier. Um, that's largely because of our, our Steger Center. Um, and then we also have some semester-long programs. Um, one that you hear, you hear about often is the Lugano Switzerland program um, through the Pamplin College of Business. Um, and, and that sends a pretty sizable group every, every year. Um, so Switzerland's a big one for our students. Um, English speaking locations, of course, um, you know, the UK, Australia, um, those, those are also traditionally popular, but I think it's, it's also been interesting to see students kind of expand um, the options a bit in terms of where they go. Um, uh, some recent ones in the last few years that we've been really excited about, um, there's a faculty-led program to Botswana, um, and that one is uh, focused in wildlife um, conservation. Um, and, and again, that's been really neat to see our students venture um, into programs like that. Um, and I think, again, what, depending on what the student is really looking for in a study abroad experience, um, some of them might be a bit more adventurous in, in going off um, you know, on a program that doesn't have other Virginia Tech students going. Um, and, and, and those are, are really the neat experiences I think that we like hearing about. Um, and I think, again, more students are kind of driving um, to, to those types of experiences. So um, is this open, oh, sorry. 
I was going to ask, do you all host uh, any events where students talk about their experiences? We do. Um, generally, your fall semester is, is pretty big. Um, and again, that's just kind of because of the application cycle. A lot of things are going on. Um, typically in September is when we have our annual fall fair. Um, and usually that's under a hundred foot tent on the drill field outdoors all day. And students are just kind of coming through learning about hundreds and hundreds of opportunities out there. Um, of course that didn't happen that way last fall. Um, and we did have to take it virtual, which um, was a feat, but it was also really exciting to still see um, just the amount of interest that students have still. Um, and, and really we're talking to a lot of students that are planning ahead um, which is was also great to see because again, the, the earlier they plan, I think the better off um, in terms of just making sure that they have access to all sorts of scholarship opportunities and applications and deadlines and things like that. Um, and, and we're really getting the opportunity to sit down and, and talk you know, through, through all of those options with them. Um, so yeah, in terms of events, we're, we're an office that's, that's very big into to events and, and getting the word out there. Um, Again, that looks a little different for us this this year, um, but still a lot of interest, which is encouraging. So is this open for everybody? Like, do I have to be a grad student or do I have to be in a certain major or is this open to everybody? That is a great question. We get asked that question a lot because sometimes students will go on our website, they'll click on our fancy program search button, they'll click on their major and then nothing will show up. So sometimes students can get discouraged thinking there's all these hoops that they might not know about that are keeping them from even starting the process. But the great news is any student at Virginia Tech in any major should be able to find some study abroad option that works for them. It's going to depend a lot on your major, what you're studying, and if we have a Virginia Tech program specifically designed to help you get some courses for credit for your major. If not, you might need to think outside the box, think about summer or winter so that you can stay on track academically with your major during the fall and spring semesters. Or we can help you look for one of our university partners that would help you find classes that do apply to your major at that university. The titles might be a little different, the courses might be a little different, but we can help you identify ones that most likely um, you could get approved to transfer back and, and help you stay on track for your major. So usually one eligibility benchmark we have is that a 2.0 or above is required. Many of our programs require a 2.5 or above. So those are uh, two GPA benchmarks that you should take a look at on our website, make sure that you're at that level. And then many of our programs are restricted to sophomores and above. There are some opportunities for freshmen to go abroad and sometimes during the summer between freshman and sophomore year it could work. But um, you should chat with our office if you're a freshman who is just super eager to go abroad. But uh, most of the time we're looking at sophomore and above and a 2.0 or 2.5 and above GPA. And I'll uh, add to that too. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. I was going to say, Alex, you, you mentioned graduate students. Um, and, and so we, we don't often see a whole lot of graduate students studying abroad. Um, and, and that's, again, for a variety of different reasons. Um, you know, graduate students tend to be on assistantships. And so it's hard to leave for a semester when you're receiving funding through an assistantship and, and whatnot. Um, but it, it certainly is a possibility for grad students as well. Um, again, our, our scholarships are open to graduates. Um, and uh, it's, it's just, again, it's a little more complicated in terms of timing and, and just specifics to, to, you know, to their grad courses. Um, but again, just want to put it out there that it is still a possibility for them. 
So we're about the halfway mark or thereabouts. So uh, it's our tradition here on the Virginia Tech First Generation Unscripted Podcast to offer a trivia question at this point, which we will come back at the end uh, to answer. So today's trivia question is this. How many more first generation students have applied to Virginia Tech this year versus last year? And this is undergrad, so not, it's not grad. So how many more first gen students this year than last year? So here are your choices. Is it A, 10%? B, 20%, C, 37%, or D, 52%. All right, nobody on the panel answer out loud, especially if you watch the President's State of the University address. That would be cheating. All right. So uh, since we are past the halfway mark, uh, we usually like to transition and talk about parent issues. Um, and certainly study abroad. Uh, if, if my daughter were going to go study in another country, I would have some uh, some thoughts about her doing that. Um, and Dr. Troy, uh, you were talking earlier about something I, I know has been a major issue this year that parents probably would have concerns about. And what was that? So my question is about COVID-19 and how that has impacted travel. Big question. <laughs> <laughs> we like to we like give you the, the, the layups, you know, early on there. <laughs> So it's definitely affected travel and Romlin and I will probably both speak about this. Um, it's, it's impacted our students who were abroad during the spring 2020 semester when everything started to unfold. Uh, we had to bring quite a few Hokies back to the United States on pretty short notice as, as things started to get a little more serious abroad. And we're, we really admire the resilience of those students and how they navigated that whole transition and, and re-entry back into the U.S. during a really crazy time. So. Um, that was during the spring, and then unfortunately it did mean that our summer 2020 and fall 2020 programs were not able to run as planned, and that student participation in other programs outside of VT also was not authorized by the university, just given all the safety concerns going on with the pandemic. Um, but the exciting thing was throughout that time, the university's support stayed present for study abroad. The, the idea that students getting abroad is really valuable is something that the university has stood behind this whole time. And so headed into the spring semester, there was some cautious optimism that we could send some students abroad again. And so we had a pretty extensive safety review process that students had to go through. And so essentially a student had to prepare a really solid plan of how they would navigate the unique situations happening abroad. You know, how many roommates would you have? How would you have access to medical care if you needed it abroad? Things like that. Um, just so a student could go abroad really having a solid plan. And at the end of that whole process, um, the committee that reviewed those was able to help some students move forward. And then we do have a, a handful of travelers headed abroad this spring. So um, study abroad is still happening. It's not canceled. It's not um, done for even with the pandemic, but it is changing a lot. And so students do have to put a little bit more and, and actually not a little bit, quite a bit more legwork into planning for a study abroad and to making sure it's the right time for them to, to go abroad. Romalyn, anything you'd add there? Um, I would also just add that we we also have someone on our team um, who's the Assistant Director for Global Safety and Risk Management. Um, and her role centers around um, being a support for, for students that are going abroad. And, 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 that, and that's in every phase of, of the study abroad process. That's the preparation before you go, um, that's while you're there, and then also while you're back, or when you're on your way back. And so, um, again, there, there are people here um, on campus that are monitoring things, obviously, and um, we have 
really, you know, we have um, mitigation plans um, in place um, in the event that things happen. Um, and so I, I just also just want to reiterate that, that um, we have resources that are, are monitoring things um, that are available while your students are abroad as well. Um, there's a 24 um, seven uh, emergency phone line um, that students have access to um, and, and they can certainly reach out um, if anything were to occur. Absolutely. And students are all required as well. This is more of a technical detail, but they're all required when they are abroad to purchase a specific student insurance intended for students traveling abroad, CISI. And so all Virginia Tech students going abroad are required to purchase it. And it covers everything from an upset stomach needing to go to a doctor to, um, you know, much more serious events and, and circumstances like needing to be transported back to the U.S., things like that. So it can really cover a wide range of things. And we require all students purchase this and it also built in includes some support like phone lines in a country if you don't know how to dial the the 911 of the country you're in you'd have access to that phone line so these are all the things that we like to have in place and that are required to be in place for all students going abroad so that parents and students know ahead of time what they might need to do if they found themselves in a situation where they weren't safe or they needed some some health assistance or whatever the case might be so guys um what is, uh, what is a way that parents typically can support their student when they're overseas? I'm sure um, they wish they could go with them, but do you, do you give any advice to parents who like want to have like maybe a, a stateside um, part in the student's study abroad experience? That's a good question too, Alex. <laughs> um, I, I mean, we, we're very cognizant of the fact that that's, um, that parents are very much part of this whole process, right? Um, and, and so um, as, as much as we can, um, we, we wanna be informative and um, open for communication with parents. That being said, it also is you know the student experience, and so we we very much communicate directly with the students and, and hope that they're also communicating with their parents um, and and providing you know what resources are out there for them. Um, again, particularly during this time, even more so, it, it it's it's very important to make sure that your your parents or your guardians, whoever at home, um, are aware of of what your plans are and and what. Um, you're hoping to do with a study abroad experience. And then again, keeping in contact with us is, is a great, uh, I think is, is one of the um, important things that uh, a parent can do to help support their students um, in going abroad. Um, but again, we, we tend to, to deal with the, the students much more on that front um, because they're, they're really the ones that are coming through the door and, and um, we wanna make sure that they have what they need to be able to have a successful experience abroad. I'll add to that too. We do offer some resources for parents specifically. So each semester when we do have students traveling abroad, we offer something that we call pre-flight uh, for students, which is their pre-departure orientation on the VT side of things. They'll probably have an orientation wherever they're headed to, but on our side, we talk about how to be safe abroad, how to immerse yourself in a culture, how to get the most out of your study abroad experience. We also offer a pre-flight for parents. And so that's an opportunity and this was back before Zoom was cool, but it would be offered on Zoom. And I, that's still the case now where parents, family members, the student themselves, if they'd like to join too, can jump on a Zoom call and learn a little bit more about the study abroad experience. The same kind of information we'd be sharing with students about what they need to complete for Virginia Tech before going abroad, we'd also share with parents so that they can be up to speed too. Uh, and then we also are always available for questions at that time, but also just over email or phone at our office. 
Uh, right now, email is obviously best because of being out of the office mostly, but uh, we are always happy to take questions. But the parent pre-flight is, is one avenue that parents tend to enjoy getting the chance to talk with us a little more. So Shelby, I believe you just said you were using Zoom before Zoom was cool. <laughs> It's true. That's that's we how legit true. we are in this here podcast. We get <laughs> we get OG Zoom users from back in the day, back when nobody could even tell you what it was. Exactly, we've, we've, we've come a long way. <laughs> so, guys, um, we have just a few minutes left. What are I, I'm sure parents uh, will ask you guys questions, probably at varying levels of concern and maybe even alarm maybe if they didn't know their student was going to go to Antarctica for a month. Um, (laughs) Like what are, what are some of the common questions that you guys get from parents uh, about their student going abroad? One, one common question and it's a little technical. So it would depend on the program is when is payment due for this program? Students often will um, sometimes be a little confused about the timeline. Parents will often be a little confused about the timeline. That's something that would totally depend on the type of program you selected. So if you have questions about that, keep them coming to us. I know that's sort of a non-answer for now, but that's one question we get a lot. Another question is just about safety. How will my student be safe? What resources will they have abroad to be safe? And I know we touched on that a little bit. Um, Romlin, any other questions? That- I mean, we also often get questions about housing and, and what you know general student life is going to be um, at any given location. Um, and again, that's, that's going to vary on, on where they're going. Um, but it's in a lot of ways, they parents have the same questions that they would with their student being in Blacksburg. Um, you know, they, they want to know about general well-being, safety, um, you know, what is, um, what is life going to be like in, in that country or in, at that university. Um, and so, in, in a lot of um, in a lot of ways, um, the concerns don't really change. Um, sure, you complicate a little things in terms of borders and um, and languages and things like that. Um, but uh, for the most part, I would say that the concerns are pretty 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 on par with, with what they would be here. So, have you have you two studied? Have you guys gone abroad? Have you studied abroad? Mm-hmm. You ever done it? I have, um, and so I well, and Shelby as well. I, we are Hokies, Hokies for life. Um, and I, I had the opportunity to study abroad um, my junior year of undergrad here. Um, and much like many students or Virginia Tech students now, I also went to Switzerland for a semester. And I also studied at Virginia Tech, but I was one of those students who wandered through the big, but fair tent picked up a bunch of brochures and went back to my dorm and forgot about study abroad. And so I didn't study abroad during my time as a Hokie, but I wish I had. And then I did get the chance to travel a little bit after I graduated. Where'd you go? So I always tell um, I traveled to Zambia and Southern Africa, to Peru and to Spain for shorter periods of time for each of those. But um, yeah. and, And I always tell students take advantage of the chance to travel while you're an undergraduate, because that opportunity might not present itself again. And, the time you have, the resources that the university wants to provide you with to make that happen. Um, it's a its a really unique chapter of life to get to experience the world in. Yeah, I would actually chime in on that and agree because um, my study abroad experience was, <laughs> I was a full-blown adult. I was like 33 years old and I did an international exchange program through the State Department. So doing that at 33, you have a, a child and <laughs> I would definitely not recommend that at all 
Well, the value of this podcast for me is that I have learned 33 is full-blown adult. (laughs) (laughs) I did not know where that was before. Oh, you know, you're into your 30s. You know, you. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, Shereen, I can, I can understand that. I've I've had the opportunity to go on a couple site visits um, in in my role with the office, and um, I I do think about that. Like, I I wasn't as adventurous as I would have been at you know at 20, 21 years old. Because I'm, you know, in my 30s, I have a child and <laughs> you right. do those things. Um, but yeah, no, I, I would echo what Shelby said. I mean, we we often hear it from students that have graduated that, you know, it's one of their biggest regrets is that they didn't take the opportunity to study abroad. And um, it, it's, it's a daunting decision for some. And again, I think that's that's really where our office comes in. And we, we want to have those discussions with students and, and kind of help them figure out what options are out there for them. And um, we're never going to be the ones that tell you which options make sense for you, because again, that's, that's a pretty individual decision. Um, but we want to lay it out for you and say, you know, there are so many different ways to go abroad. Um, I look back on you know, having had been a student who studied abroad and and really at the time I only knew that one program. Um, and it was only because somebody came into my classroom and presented about study abroad that I even realized that that was a thing. Um, had that not happened, again, the, the trajectory of my life would be completely different. Um, and, and so again, for, for us, that, that's something that we continually wanna do. And again, we, we appreciate the opportunity to be on this podcast to, to spread more awareness about the possibilities and, and that, again, that it's, you know, these things are still happening um, and, and we want to be supportive of the students that want to, to consider it. Great. Well, we are at time. Uh, so now it's time to bring in the answer to our trivia question. Uh, if you remember, the question was, how many more first-generation students have applied to Virginia Tech undergrad this year versus last year? So the choices were A, 10%, B, 20%, C, 37%, or D, 52%. So panelists, does anybody have a guess or do you just know? I guess 37. Oh, and she, the illustrious Dr. Troy wins again. We (laughs) never expected anything else except 100% correct perfection. (laughs) 37% it is, yes. There are 30, there are another 37% above last year's number of first-generation students. So Virginia Tech has a focus on increasing their first-generation population right now. Uh, So we are very happy to hear that the numbers have gone up and uh, Virginia Tech goals are to make them go up even more than that. So we are super excited to hear that. Uh, So thank you again for joining us for Virginia Tech First Generation Unscripted and we'll see you next time. (laughs) 